Good afternoon. I am Pastor Antonio Eubanks of Heath Ministries, where we believe in using the Word of God to heal, empower, and teach so that you may be properly equipped to help establish the kingdom of God and its principles in your families, communities, and world. If you're in the metro Atlanta area, we invite you to attend our Sunday service for a life-impacting experience. Please visit our website at heatministries.org for more information. We would love to hear from you. But for now, we pray that you enjoy this message. God bless. And it says, we have peace with God. Catch that right there. You got peace. Take your peace right now. Receive your peace right now. It says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody who go here, we already know who Christ is, right? Christ is the word of God. It says, so we have peace with God through our word. That's a message right there. That's how you get peace, is through the word of God. If you don't have no peace, you might not have no word. Get a piece of the word and you can have peace. Amen. Amen. Then in verse 2 it says what? It says what in verse 2? It says, through him, meaning through the word, we have also obtained access. Oh, there's something. That means some doors being opened. That means that we're going to have promotion, access. By faith into this grace which we stand. We standing on the grace. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, not only do we rejoice, but we rejoice in our sufferings. There it is right there. See, we we, we got we want to just rejoice in the good stuff. But God is saying right here that we got to be able to rejoice also what? In our sufferings. Why? Why? That, that might sound crazy to the world because the world is saying, I, I, I can't rejoice when I'm going through some adversity. I can't rejoice when I'm going through pain. I can't rejoice when my, my children are acting like they don't even know me no more. I can't rejoice when my job is tripping. How am I supposed to rejoice in these sufferings? Here it is. Knowing that the suffering produces. See, that's the beauty of God. God is not going to let you go through something unless you get something out of it. If you don't get nothing out of it, it's only because you didn't choose to. God is saying, I'm not going to allow anything that you go through to be of no benefit to you. Whether it's good or bad. The good is going to benefit you, but guess what? I'm God. I'm going to make the bad even benefit you. Why? Because it says also in the word that all things work together for the good. Amen? All things. That means you're suffering too. And here he says, what does it produce? Endurance. That means they, the endurance to keep going. When you feel like faint, he says, be weary, but faint not. And then that endurance does what? Produces character. Adversity produces character. If you really want to know who on your team, go through something. If you really want to know who on your side, go through some things. Better yet, if you really want to know who they are, go through some things. Adversity reveals character. Amen. It lets you know who, who you really are and who they really are. And then it says, character produces hope. 
There it is, right there, the hope. Hope is not wishing. Don't get that confused with, oh, I hope it's going to work out. Oh, I hope. No, that's translated in the Greek to mean expectation, meaning you can expect it. Like he talks about in Jeremiah, I have a plan for you, an expected end, an expected end, meaning that your, your destiny is not your circumstance. See, a lot of times we get so confused and tied up with what we're going through that we believe that that's our destiny, that we believe that that's where it is. But I'm here to tell you today that God has not brought you this far to drop you off right here. He wouldn't have let you get through all that other mess you've been through to drop you off right here in this mess. Just because you're in this mess, remember the last mess you was in. The same God that brought you out of that one, guess what? He the same today as he was yesterday. He don't care what you did to get to that mess. He just hoping that you learn from it so you don't have to go through it again. Why? Because he wants you to develop the character, and then that character produces hope. And then it says in verse 5, and this hope does not put us to shame. You can't be shamed with this hope. See, a lot of people don't want to have hope in God because they feel like they might be ashamed, meaning that, you know, I'm believing God for this. But then when it don't show up in our time, then you got the little naysayers coming around. I thought God said you was going to be able to get that job. I thought God said that you was going to be able to restore your relationship. I thought God said your finances would, well, I thought this, I thought this about God. A whole bunch of doubting Thomas is around you. To doubting Thomas was Dennis. Dennis means twin. He was, uh, he was bipolar. Quit all these bipolar folks having conversations in your ear. They wavering and wondering, and you going up and down on the roller coaster with them, losing your hope. The word of God says, cast not away your confidence. Cast not away your hope. Because it's not to put you in the shame. Because guess what? If God said it, that you can expect it, then what? You can expect it. God is not a man that he shall lie. If he promised it to you, then guess what? He's going to make it happen. It might not be when you want it, but guess what? Like they always say, he, he ain't never late. He always what? Right on time. Right on time. Sometimes he just got to wait to that last second to just see if you really going to believe like you said you're going to believe. See, a lot of us can believe that instant we receive that word right then and we believe and we jump up and down, we fall out, we drool at the mouth, we run around the church 50 times and we all happy. But what about tomorrow? When it ain't showed up yet. What about next week when it ain't manifested yet? What about next month when it ain't looking like it's coming yet? What about next year when you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel? Are you going to still have that same expectation that you had the very first day that you received that word? That's what the test is. Are you going to still have that same conviction that you had? That's what commitment is. Having the same vigor, the same endurance, the same character that you had when you made the decision to do what you decided to do. Everybody can decide something in a moment, but can you maintain that through the entire time? He says right here that the, the shame will not put the shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. Given to us. See, that's why I love God so much, because there's so much that we are given. 
And that's the problem with a lot of us is that we're so used to people not giving us nothing that we can't receive what God has already freely given. We keep judging God by our earthly relationships. Ain't nobody never gave me nothing. I don't even expect nothing. I seen somebody put on their Facebook one other day saying that, you know, if you don't have any expectations, then you can't ever be disappointed. The devil lives a lie. The moment that you have no expectations, you already have accepted disappointment. Because we are people of God. We walk in expectation. It says we walk by faith and not by sight. People who walk by sight, they expecting to what? See something. People who walk by faith know it's already been seen. Because he says whatever's in heaven is already on earth. He says whatever you loosed in heaven has already been loosed on earth. He says so if you loose your expectations, in heaven, then it can be loosed on earth. Amen. It's up to us what we're going to do in this university of adversity that we find ourselves in. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to accept the peace that he's given us? Are we going to accept the hope and the endurance and the character that he's given us? Uh, what are we going to do with this? But see, a lot of us we, 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 we focus so much on why is the adversity here? We talked about that last week. Why is it here? Quit worrying about why. Somebody made it happen to you. You know, like Joseph, somebody threw me in the pit. Well, you can worry about being thrown in the pit, or you can look at the pit as a pot that you got planted in. It's up to you. It's either a pit or it's a pot. It's a pit if you decide to get covered up with the dirt and never grow and manifest yourself. But it's a pot if you say, you know what? While I'm here in this mess and dealing with this mess and dealing with this stress, I'm going to get blessed. Yes, God. That's what we got to do. Is Sometimes God allows it. He allows the enemy to come against us. So that just like he did Job, just to, just to test the faith, also to show the enemy, you don't have everybody. You don't have everybody. I think that's what he was doing with Job and the devil. He said, I'm going to show you somebody that you don't have. Do everything you want to to them, but you cannot have his life. Why? Because his life is mine. And that's what you got to realize. God can do, God can allow the enemy to have his way with you, but that God will not allow him to have your life. And the only reason God is allowing that is to grow you because that's how we become what? More than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. More than means that you come out better than you went in. You came in being able to push off the devil a little bit. Now you come out saying devil don't even come near me. He know not to even mess with you in certain things because he know that he can't even deal with you like that. But we got to walk in that power. We got to understand that power. A lot of us have that, but we keep denying it. We keep pushing it away. The scripture says, resist the devil and he will flee. But we keep resisting the power. It says resist the devil. Resist means resistance. It's kind of like working out with weights. You push off and you is resistance. You, you start off probably only can they able to do 50 pounds, and you're struggling with that. But the more you keep resist, using that resistance to build up your strength, now you're able to do 100, and then 150. Now you're able to push your own body weight because you've been using this resistance to make you more than a conqueror. Let this adversity that you're going through, or you might get ready to be going through, use this adversity as resistance to build your strength. Don't just go through something and come out the same way you went in. Get something out of it. 
get something out of it. We're supposed to learn in everything that we go through. There's nothing worse than going through something and coming out the same way, not learning anything. But see, we got to understand what God is trying to really, really do. He's really trying to get us to the point where we are not changed by adversity. See, a lot of us are changed by what we go through. We, we go through some things and, and, and I keep saying don't come out the same. And a lot of us don't come out the same. We come out jacked up. We come out messed up. We come out hurt, abused, and, and, and we remember all that kind of stuff. And that's what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to stay in that past when that person hurts you. He wants you to stay there when that job fired you. He wants you to stay there when you lost everything and you thought it wasn't going to turn out this way. You lost your marriage. You lost your house. You lost all that. He wants you to stay right there. But how many know your destiny is not concerned about your past? Your destiny has no concern, no care about what you've been through. Your destiny don't care what you did. Your destiny don't care how, how it used to be. Your destiny is only concerned about the decisions you make from this point on. What are you going to do when you're going through? God doesn't want us to change. How so? I, 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 I bought this little thing today. I want to I do a demonstration to show to bring home what I'm talking about, about changing in adversity, because that's what I want you to get out of this message is the fact that when we go through some adversity, God doesn't want us to change who we are. He just wants us to get better. If you don't get nothing else, just know that, that he doesn't want you to change. He wants you to get better. Some people say, well, better is change. No, better is just improving on what God already has put in you. It says right there in Romans 5, the Holy Spirit, what? It says that, been poured into our hearts. So God is wanting you to stir up what's already in you when you're going through that adversity. Just like he told the disciples, he rebuked them. He said, well, why are you still lacking in faith when the storm was coming? Why are you still, why wouldn't you like me? Why wouldn't you sleep on the boat? See, I was trying to teach you something. I was trying to teach you this peace that I have. I was trying to teach you this peace that comes through the word of God. But you all running around like you're chicken with a head cut off. But I'm trying to teach you something in this adversity. Stir up your faith so that you will know who you truly are. That you can speak to those circumstances and say, I'm not going to allow you to change me. I'm going to change you. Like I always say here, we are not thermometers. We don't tell the temperature. We're supposed to be thermostats. We set the temperature. Don't allow circumstances to change who you are in God. That's what I should really say. Don't allow circumstances to change who you are in God. A lot of things will come along in our life and make us forget what God has already done. It'll make us walk away from the word. We've been standing on the word. We've been reading the word, fasting, praying, and then all it takes is a, a flat tie and some of us lose all the word we got that day. The devil lives a lot. Don't be changed. So see, the first thing I got to put out my little shopping bag was a bag of carrots. Amen. We, we, we all, some of us like carrots, some of us don't, but for the most part, we know the carrots are what? They're sweet. Some people like them, they sweet. To some people, they ain't. They orange. These are little shredded carrots. They orange and everything, but it's still a carrot. I know y'all probably can't see, but just pretend you can. It's in the bag up there. 
But the one characteristic about a carrot is, especially when they're whole, is that they're kind of rigid. Amen? They're kind of rigid. And when you break them, they just snap in, 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 into two. They're, they're, kind of, they're kind of hard on the outside. They're kind of rigid on the outside. And how many know that some of us are like these carrots? We kind of hard on the outside. You know, kind of rigid. You know, when people greet you and they see you, you like, you know, you know, it's like you won't let nobody in. You, you're kind of hard and rigid. But then when life comes against you, you you're, you're, you're easily broken. You easily snapped in two, and, and, and people can see that you've been snapped, or, or you might be shredded. And then you find yourself in a in a bag with a whole bunch of other people just like you. But then now, now you find yourself put in a pot, pot of hot water. Let, let's pretend that this is my pot, since I didn't bring my pot today. But let, let's pretend that this is a pot. So now life puts you into the hot water because some people say you jump out of the frying pan into the fire, but we jumping into the hot water. You and all the little folks like you, hard and rigid, you know, broken into pieces. The past broke you. That man broke you. That job broke you. Life done broke you down. But now you find yourself even in a bigger mess. You in the hot water. How many know what happens to carrots when they get boiled in hot water? Anybody? They get soft. They get mushy. Almost like a consistency of what? Baby food. They get almost pureed. Amen? Well, how many know that's what happens to, to the rigid folks? The people who walk in, in their own rigidness, in their own strength, in their own power. When they get put in that hot water, they end up getting mushy. They end up becoming dissolved. Almost to a point that they're no longer recognizable. Yeah, you know that it's a carrot field because it's orange. But other than that, you won't know it till you taste it or till you do. But just looking at it, you just know it's an orange substance. They never again appear to look like what they used to be. The circumstance of life has changed not only their texture, their consistency, but their character. Amen. Put some scripture to it, Pastor. Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 12. How many know we don't want to be like the carrot? Second Corinthians chapter 12. See, some of us are so hard and so rigid, and we don't want nobody in. We don't want to let nobody in. So much so that we sometimes don't even let God in. Because life done beat us up so bad, done broke us down so bad, we don't want to trust nobody or nothing. I ain't letting nobody in. Because last time I let somebody in, they done me wrong. I'm not going to trust this. I'm not going to trust that. You get to a point where now you're developing a character of not trusting. So once you develop that character of not trusting, how can you trust God? You can't even trust what you can see, man. So how can you trust what you can't see, God? Because you become rigid like the carrot. Second Corinthians chapter 12. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. And it says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. This is Paul talking. That it should leave me. But he said to me, verse 9, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect. In weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest 
upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's what we got to realize. If you find yourself as a carrot and you hang around with other shredded carrots in life, you got to start realizing that what you're going through, God's grace is sufficient for you. When you when you coming out and pretending that you that you really rigid and hard, every you ain't fooling nobody but yourself. You really soft. Let me put some hot water to you, and if we'll figure out what you really are, you really soft. You really weak on the inside, but it's okay. Why? Because God is saying right here. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. When you stop realizing and trying to walk on your own strength, trying to walk on your own understanding, trying to walk on your own rationalization, God said, now my peace, my perfect strength can do what? Rest upon you. And I like that way he says right there. He says that in verse 9, it says that it can rest upon you. God is saying when you allow, when you allow my strength to come on you, you can get rest. You ain't got to try to worry about carrying this burden and carrying this load and breaking under pressure. Because Paul said it right there. I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. How many know Paul was talking about the university of adversity? But he says I'm content with it. I'm content with it. Why? Because when I'm weak, I am strong. Well, Paul, what are you saying? How are you weak and strong? Paul is saying, I'm, I, I, I admit my weakness. I admit my shortcomings. I admit my faults. But why? So that the strength of Christ can rest upon me. So now through the adversity that I'm going through, I admit and I submit to God saying, God, I can't go through this alone. I don't want to be rigid to this thing. I don't want to be broken by this thing. God, if anything going to break me, then why don't you break me? Because in your breaking, then I can be built back up to be strong through the endurance and through the character. I can have the hope, the expectation that I will be brought out of this thing strong. That's what we got to understand. Don't be like the carrot when you're going into the hot water. Stop being so rigid. Stop being so rigid. But then we have another type person that goes through adversity. And that's this person who's an egg. And what are some of the characteristics of an egg? I gotta make sure this thing don't break up, boy. If it do, they gonna tell me what it's gonna smell like. Cause these eggs are old and they done sit out for a while. But we go through something as an egg. Egg what? Has a thin shell. Very thin shell. That's why I don't wanna even drop this thing. Thin shell. Then if I'm shaking, I can hear. We can hear the yoke that moves around. We can feel it moving around. So it's soft on the inside. Kind of hard on the outside, but, but soft on the inside. How many of us are like that? You know, we got this little thin layer, but, but we allow people in because we got a soft heart. We got a very soft heart. We allow people in. We allow them. We, we do this for them and we do this for that person. And, and, and we let them in. They, they come into our shell. We put up a little barrier because we don't want everybody in, but we do allow some people in. And, we, and we're soft on the inside. And we're malleable and, and we're able to, we're able to, to be shaped and formed on the inside. 
But then how many know that once you go through the adversity of life and you drop into the pot of hot water, you're easily broken. That's what an egg is. They, they, it's easily broken. You you can drop it. So a lot of times, because we're easily broken, we try to join together with other people and get into our own protection that we find. And it's like, well, if I if I protect myself, then I won't be broken. But how many know if you drop this carton of eggs enough, it's gonna crack some eggs. No matter how foamy and styrofoam it is, your protection is not good enough by itself. You can't protect yourself from everything. I don't care how many people you join in with, whether it's a dozen just like this, you can't protect yourself from everything with your own protection. Because guess what? Even if you're inside your own protection, there's always an enemy that's trying to reach in to get you so that he can put you into the adversity situation, the adverse situation. Now you find yourself in that hot water. Now all of a sudden, your cell is still hard, but some kind of way, the, the hotness is still coming in. And what happens when an egg finally gets hot in the hot water? It gets hard. The inside gets hard. The inside gets hard. What does that mean? That means that as you're going through what you go through, then your heart becomes to get hardened. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let nobody else in anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be hard to this. So now, even though you got a thin shell and it's easily cracked and it's easily broken, but once somebody gets in, they find a hard heart. They find a heart that's not shapeable. They find a heart that's not teachable. They find a heart that's not that's not willing to learn. They find a heart that's not willing to obey. They find a heart that is contrite, but not contrite in a good way. Contrite where it's like, I'm broken and I'm not going to allow anybody else to break me. The egg is fragile, but the outer shell has been protected. But after you sit in that hot water, you become what? Hardened. Are you an egg which starts out very soft and malleable? Your, the spirit is fluid in you. It's flowing in you. You allow God to flow in and out of your life. No matter what you're going through, you allow God to flow in and out. But then all of a sudden, you go through this thing. You go through this adversity, and you find yourself now hardened. Find yourself now hardened. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. I hope y'all are understanding this and getting this. I hope you're identifying yourself. If not, hopefully, if you are identifying yourself with these things, then we hopefully are learning. I'm expecting you to learn how to counteract these things. The the carriage, we counteract it by knowing that we are strong in Christ, that we can't be rigid in our own ways, that we got to be girded up by Christ. The egg, we know that it's fragile, but yet at times the inside, the heart can become hardened. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. And then it says, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord. That you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in their futility of their minds. They are darkening their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Why? Due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, to practice every kind of impurity. 
But this is not the way that you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. What is all that saying? It's saying, Paul's warning them here and he's saying that don't be like the Gentiles. Don't be like the other eggs in that carton where, where you're, you, you, you're self-ignorance into your life because your heart is of your heart. You, 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 your heart has become hard to what you're going through. Your heart has become so hard that God can't even get through to you. God can't even give you knowledge. God can't even give you revelation because now you've become hardened by life. You become hardened by what you're going through. And then it says they become callous. How many know once you become callous, that's, in, that's impenetrable? See, a lot of times people think a callous is there for protection, but sometimes that callous is there to keep things out. You're keeping God out because of what you've been through with them. You're keeping God out because of what you've been through over there. God said, don't allow your heart to become hardened. Don't allow your heart to become so messed up that you can't let him in. God says that we have to keep our hearts soft. He says that it is out of the heart that flows the issues of life. It is, it is out of the heart where we see the circumstances of life. So God says, keep your heart soft. He said, don't, don't allow the, the, the adversity that you're going through to make you hard. Just keep yourself soft, flowing with me, flowing in the spirit, so that you don't become hardened by these things. Like the Gentiles, meaning like the people of the world. Everybody going through something, but we are people of God. When we go through, we're not supposed to come out the way that they come out. We're supposed to use, again, this as a learning experience. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Don't put off. Don't You got to put off your old self. See, when you used to go through things, your old self would cuss that person out. Your old self would, would push that person away. Your old self would just walk off that job. But God says, when you're going through things now with me, because my strength rests on you, when you're going through this thing, you know you got me to look at. You know you got me to stand on. The grace is sufficient for you. Amen. Sufficient means it's more than enough. Is more than enough. Amen? But we got to realize that God wants us to, to continue to have our hearts. He, he didn't like when the Israelites, he said they, they hardened their hearts after me. You can't harden your heart because again, you harden your heart to life, then you won't even allow God in. You won't allow the things of God in. God is trying to bless you. God is trying to connect you with the right people. But because these people messed you up, because you was in the carton with these people, you don't want to get in the carton with the right people because you said, no, they all look the same. They all act the same. God said, don't allow your heart to become hardened. Yes, you should protect yourself. He said, but you can't protect yourself yourself with yourself. You protect yourself by me because the word of God says what? Judge the spirit by the spirit. So if you want to know a person's character, you hold them up to the spirit of God. Judge the spirit by the spirit. Then you will know who to let in. You will know who to take in. You will know who to let advise and counsel you. Amen? Because everything ain't godly counsel. Just because they say they're going to pray for you don't mean they ain't going to pray on you. Amen? So everything is not good for you. We got to realize that sometimes we put ourselves in that hot water. And we got to just be able to jump out and say, God, show me where I need to be. Yeah. Mm. 
Show me where I need to be. And more importantly, who I need to be with. Because then we come to the last little example I have, which is a substance that no matter what you do to it, it doesn't change. It doesn't change its shape. It doesn't change its consistency. It doesn't change its character when it goes in the hot water. Matter of fact, when it goes in the hot water, it changes the water. See, everything else, if we put the eggs in, we put the carrots in, if we pour the carrots out and then pour the eggs out, we still got plain water. But when you put this substance in, which I'm talking about is coffee. See, when you put this in, even though it starts out as a bean, and yet the coffee, it gets ground up like we do in life. But he says, you know what? Even if you grind me, I'm still coffee. Because even though I might not look like the bean no more, you just smell me. I still smell the same. So you still know that I'm coffee, even after the grinding. But then it says, you know what? Put me in the hot water. You know, because if you put me in the hot water, that's how you're going to find out who I really am. I'm really made to be coffee. But you don't even know me until you put me in the hot water. See, when, when coffee gets put in the hot water, the water changes. It's no longer water. Is now what? Coffee. Did anybody catch that? See, this is called coffee. But when it goes in the hot water, what does the hot water turn into? Coffee. It changes the name of what it went into. It speaks to that thing it went into and says, I'm not going to be called water. I'm going to be called coffee. I came in coffee. I'm going to come out coffee. Matter of fact, while I'm here, you're going to become coffee. And how many know that's what God wants us to be like? He wants us to be like the coffee bean. He said, no matter if you grind it, no matter if you press down, no matter if you put it in the hot water, no matter if anybody even try to filter you out, you still going to be coffee. Because you can pour hot water through this filter, it's still going to make what? Coffee. As a matter of fact, you better add a filter, because if you don't, it's going to be too strong for you to even take. So God said, yeah, even filter them down. Because if you don't filter them down, you might not even be able to stand them. Because the power of God is flowing through their life was meant to change things. That's what God wants you to be. He says, it's okay if you're the carrot right now. It's okay if you're the egg right now. He says, but I want you to go through this so that you can realize that I made you to be coffee. In the beginning, I made you to be coffee. Because when I send you through the adversity, you're going to come out better than you went in. As a matter of fact, if you're good coffee, you can be reused again. It doesn't matter how much hot water you get put in. You can keep turning it into coffee. Amen? Let's add the scripture to it. Second Corinthians. Because we can't stand on coffee. Amen? Because the devil don't care about you standing on coffee. You can't tell the devil, I'm coffee. The devil don't care. That was just an example. You don't care that you're coughing. But what the devil do respond to is what? The word of God. Second Corinthians again. This time chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. See, we got to understand when we're going through some things, it, 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 God has got a plan 
He's got a purpose. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting at verse 6. And it says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What is he saying right there? That, that God is the light that's in that darkness. God is the light that's in that adversity. And it's shining in our hearts. Remember that heart is not supposed to be a heart. See, if your heart is hard or if you rigid on the outside, light can't shine through. Light can't get through. And why does the light need to get through? Because it is the knowledge of the glory of God. It's the glory of God that's trying to get through even in that adverse situation. Remember walking through the shadows of death? The light is trying to get through. Why is the light trying to get through? So that you can see the glory of God. The glory of God. But in verse 7 it says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. See, that's the beauty part. The power that we're trying to get access to, it don't belong to no man. Like the old song say, I got a joy that the world didn't give me and the world can't take it away. Well, you got a power that the world didn't give you and a power that the world cannot take away. The only way the world can take away your power is that you relinquish your power, that you give up your power, that you say you don't want your power. You become like Esau's and, and you sell your birthright. You sell away your power because of your circumstances. You're a little hungry in this situation, so then you sell your power for a pot of stew. God says, don't sell your power for a pot of stew. Yeah, and then it says in verse 8, here's the good part. Verse 8, 8, the number of new beginnings. God says, get something new out of this thing that you're going through. Here go your coffee right here. He says, we are afflicted in every way. How many know that when the coffee bean go through that grinder, it's afflicted in every way? How many know when you're going through the grinder of that relationship with your child acting a fool, that you grind it in every way? How many know that when you go through that thing on your job, that you grind it in every way? But then it says, but you're not crushed. See, here's the good part. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. And see, we learned in our class that when you see the word but, the what came before the but don't even matter no more. See, God saying, yeah, you're afflicted in every way. You feel, you're afflicted like this coffee, but you're not crushed. This coffee is still not crushed. It might be all the way down to its, its granular form, but it's still not crushed. It still is coarse. It still has consistency. God says, you might be afflicted, but you're not crushed. you still here. He says perplexed, but not driven to despair. You might feel like you're going crazy, but you ain't went crazy. You might feel like you're spinning out of control, but you still got control. You might feel like you want to slap somebody two ways a Sunday, but you kept your hands to yourself. Perplexed but not driven to despair. Do you see that each one of these, persecuted, 
but not forsake you. They might talk about you. They might hate on you. They might not like you. They might not agree with you. They might not walk with you. They might put their foot on you while they down. They might pray against you. They might come against you. But he says, you are not forsaken. You are not forsaken. If God be for you, then who does it matter who is against you? We got to understand that. We got to stand on that. We got to believe that. We got to hold on to that. It says that you are persecuted, but not forsaken. So no matter what you're going through, don't let the enemy tell you, oh, God don't love you no more. You must be going through this because you're seeing it. You must be going through that because God left you. God don't want you no more. God left. God says you are persecuted, but you are not forsaken. You are not forsaken. Then he says, struck down, but not destroyed. I love that part right there. Not destroyed. You might be knocked down right now. You might not have all the money that you need to do what you need to do with. You got more month left than you got money. You might not have all that you have need right now as far as friendships and family. He says you're knocked down. You might be down on your knees, but God say, why you dying now? Pray to me. You might be knocked down on your stomach. He say, why you on your stomach? Lay prostrate before me. He says, because guess what? You're not destroyed. Destroyed. destroyed means that you are never to be again. God said, no, I have a plan for you that it has an expected end, a good and hopeful end. He says, you will not be destroyed. They will have all you want to. Knock them down, beat them up, push them down, push them over. But you will not destroy them because they are children of God. Yes. We got to get it in us. We got to get it in us. The butts. So when you're going through and that coffee is put into that water, you put into that water, you got to say, I'm being grinded, Lord. So we, God didn't tell you to walk around with this positive thinking like it ain't happening to you. I know you're in pain. I know it don't feel good. I know the bills are due. I know the family tripping. I know the job tripping. Ain't nobody telling you to pretend it ain't happening. But God is saying, yeah, it's happening, but... See, that's why we, we get that new age and people don't want to accept God because they say, oh, I, I'm blessed and highly favored. No, you ain't blessed and highly favored. You, 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 you're going through some things right now. Just, just know that you're going through. Yes, that's your destiny. That's who your true identity is. But right now, I'm going through hell. I feel like hell. I don't feel good right now. But, but, we speak those things that be not as though they were already are. We acknowledge what we're going through, but we speak what we are. See, that's the difference. That's what Paul is doing right here. He's acknowledging what you're going through. You're going through affliction. You're going through perplexion. You're going through persecution. You're going through getting knocked down. You acknowledge that. See, that's the difference. I want you to catch that. Acknowledge, meaning bring into your mind what you're going through, but don't speak what you're going through. Don't get into your little carton of eggs with everybody and start speaking about what you're going through. I'm going, Lord, they just doing this, man. That, and then you want to pray on after that. No, you can't gossip and pray. You can't gossip and give the gospel. Those are two different things. Acknowledge what you're going through, but then we got to what? Speak what we are. We afflicted, but not crushed. Perplexed, 
but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but what? Not destroyed. That's who we are. That's who we are. We're not crushed. We're not broken. We're not forsaken. We're not destroyed. Why? Because in verse 10 right here, I'm finishing, it says, always carrying in the body. Carry in the body, carry in our mind, in our hearts, the death of Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. See, you always, because you accepted Christ, you always given over to death one way or the other. You always given over to adversity for one way or the other. Why? So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So that death is in the work in us, but life in you. God is saying it's all about life. It's all about the life. He says, whatever you're going through, it's about life. He says, the devil came so that he may kill, steal, and destroy. But I came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. He says, don't worry about what you're going through. You got to be like Jesus when he was faced with adversity. You got to use the word and then you got to stand on that word. Don't allow nothing to come against that word of God that has been put in you. You got to be like the coffin. You got to stand on that word. You got to stand and know who you are. I was built for this. I was designed for this. Enemy, whatever you got, I know that this, I'm going to use you. You showed up for one thing, but I'm going to use you for another. You showed up to destroy me, but I'm going to use you to build me. You showed up to put your foot on me, but I'm going to use you as a stepping stool. You showed up to knock me down, but I'm going to use you to pull me up. I'm going to use you. He said in his word of God that I will make your enemy your footstool. He says, I prepare some table before your enemies. He said, I don't care about your enemies. I'll let you sit down and eat right in front of them. They ain't got nothing to do for you. Why? Because it says that can nothing separate you from the love of God. And if we have a love of God in our life, if we have everything that God has for us in our life, if we receive it freely, then what? If God be for us, then nobody can be against us. Amen. Amen.